Hey, welcome everyone to the Shopway Show. I know it is a few minutes late. Yes, it's true. Had a little bit of an issue getting uh, everything up and running this e- this evening. I apologize for the delay, but I'm here, and I'm glad you're here with me. It's great. And today's topic is kind of an odd topic, I know, but I'm bringing it up because I feel like a lot of people are feeling the topic they're feeling a bit of worry or despair or concern and what do i do and how do i act and what's going on and am i alone in thinking that it feels like the world's ending some days it just does some days and then where do i stand with the stuff that's going on in my life personally where do i stand when it comes to that i think we all are thinking a little bit of that and i thought it would be nice for us to just bring up some of that today. And of course, always please like, comment, and share. I bring up the like and the commenting and the sharing often. But if you're clicking that like on ASNASF, Larry, does it matter if I click the like? It does because other people see it. They click it. It does matter. It helps you get past the algorithms. Please do that. Comment if you can. Even to say hi, I love when you guys do that. The comments matter. The back and forth matters. It's all important in keeping this going. So I know that people might be saying to themselves, Larry, I'm worried and I'm worried because I don't see things getting better, right? I see, I thought we could push through all the COVID lockdowns and the COVID mask mandates, and all those things. And I thought that if we, you know, push through it, then it would go away and we'd be okay. And it seems like it's not, it's not going away. And some of you are concerned about things like your job. Some of you are worried about your business and thinking that it may not come back. Some of you are worried about your local communities. Some of you think that life has been changed so much that it can't go back and that you've lost what you think was your good life. Some people think that. Others, and I know I'm in this one, you're worried about your children, your nieces and nephews, your grandchildren, the people who are you know younger than you right now coming up. You're worried about them. I am. And you look around and you see where, you know, okay, we're pulling out of Afghanistan, right? As an example happened recently. Okay, in theory, that's good. And I agree. In theory, that's wonderful. I'm happy that's happening. But you then also see all the devastation that's happening because of it. And you go, is it worth it? Was Is it the right move? And now something that seems like good and I am happy about it now becomes tainted with more pain and incompetence and problems and suffering. And then what about all the people who suffered over there? The over 20,000 people, you know, military members who either were killed or wounded or their families devastated. Was it worth it now? Did we throw that all away? Was it worth it? Was it not? It's confusing. So on a personal level, you see that. And politically, what do you see? If you're a Democrat, you're unhappy right now. If you're a Republican, you're unhappy right now. Neither one of you is thinking, Your, my party's doing awesome. Neither one of you is thinking that right now. You're like, my party, uh, I guess it's better than the other party. But you're not jumping up and down right now. That's not what's happening. And I think that really is an issue, right? That's really an issue for many of us. Let me grab a couple of these if I can. You guys are already coming up, right? Overwhelmed, stressed, mad, disgusted. Yeah, I'm with you. 
Absolutely. It feels like, and I'm going to talk to the overwhelmed piece. I'm glad you brought that piece up. There are several things to feel overwhelmed with. The first one is the idea of how much can I worry about? Like, how much can I worry about? And if I don't worry about the right things, now someone else is mad at me, right? Why don't you care about Afghanistan? Or why don't you care about Cuba? Or why don't you care about Haiti? We got earthquakes and natural disasters hitting Haiti again. So why don't you care about the the debt? Why don't you care about our, our veterans? Oh, my God. Why don't you care about the Fed? How about I got to pay my own bills and keep my own family and friends happy? How about I keep myself happy, my own sanity? I agree it can become overwhelming. Absolutely. So, of course, you become stressed. Of course, you become mad because whatever you do, it's not enough, right? Even if you're the best at one of those things, it's not enough. And disgusted because no matter how hard you work, there's always something else. I think that's true. I think you're right. Absolutely. Craig says, I feel the worst about the future that I've ever felt. I'm not very old, but it's the first time in my life I've, I've, felt, I've not felt optimistic about the future. Yeah, I see that too. Like, what is the hope for the future? What's that next step, right? What's that next step? Yeah. Chad says, it feels never ending. There is the thing, right? It does. You hit the first one and now the next one comes and you got one problem and now the next problem comes. Yeah. Or or worse, it's never actually fixed. It's a Band-Aid, Chad. See, we did a Band-Aid. So it looks like it's good because you can't see the wound. We put a Band-Aid on it. But that wound's still festering and it still hurts. The Band-Aid didn't do the job. Dave says, don't worry, be happy. And the world is ending as we know it. And I feel fine. I like that. Two good songs. Right. Laurie says, I'm not worried about much. I took a spa day. Laurie, thank you. It doesn't seem that anything that people want matters much anymore. Let me touch a couple of these. And the reason why I brought this up more than anything is because when people get upset and worried, they often check out or strike out. Right. They strike out at others or they check out. Both are the wrong answer. I don't want you to check out. And I don't want you to strike out at others. Generally speaking, when you start to feel that way, right? When you start feeling the overwhelmed piece or the stress piece or the disgusted piece or the pessimistic piece, all those things that are natural for us, you shouldn't beat yourself up for it. Dave has a point, you know, the don't worry, be happy part. I mean, it's not that easy. But if you blame yourself, you start feeling worse. It isn't your fault, no matter what it is. It's not your fault. You didn't do it, right? You didn't send our troops to Afghanistan. You didn't start COVID, right? You didn't do it, right? Of course. So what do you do first, though? You didn't do it. So blame others. I'm going to ask you to do something that may not seem appropriate, but I think it is. I want you first, when you start feeling this, to look inward. Look at your life. I'm serious. The world around me is ending. Yes, but first, not only, but first, look inward. And ask yourself, is yours? And maybe yours is. I don't know all of your situations. Maybe your world is collapsing. That's possible. But I'd ask you to look inward first and say to yourself, 
let me look inside before I stop looking outside of place else. The old idea of, you know, make your bed before you make the, do the first thing, right? That concept, right? It's a good concept. Look inward first. It doesn't mean look inward only. It doesn't mean be perfect before you move out. It means the first step is not to start blaming others and pointing the finger, but the first one is to look at yourself. You've heard me say many times, I can't point my finger at you until I point my finger at myself first. I believe that. I think we all should do that. We should point the finger at ourselves first. It doesn't mean we blame ourselves. It means you look at where we are. And let me explain what I mean by that. If you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed or pessimistic, look in your life and say to yourself, is it that bad for me right now? And that's a very specific thing. Is it bad for me right now? That's the issue. I'm sure it has been bad for us. We've all been through tough times asking is it bad now. You say to yourself, you know what? Right now, for me, it isn't that bad. That's the spa day, Lori. That's the spa day. Right now, for me, it isn't that bad. Okay, that's how you catch your breath. That doesn't mean it's over and you go home and go, forget it. I'm going to sit in the spa the rest of my life. I'm not saying that. But that's how you catch your breath, and we should catch our breath. Is it that bad for me right now? If you say, you know what? No, it isn't that bad for me right now. Catch your breath. Take a spa day, chill for a second, get your head in the game so that you can make the next step and whatever you want to make to make someone else's life better or whatever the case may be. But let's say you look at yourself and you go, nah, it's bad for me right now. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you've lost your relationship. Maybe you have an illness. Maybe something's happened to you that is bad for you right now. Okay, that happens. If it is bad for you right now, I want you to ask yourself three questions. Question number one, is the thing that's bad for you right now, is it permanent? Is it forever? Maybe it is. Sometimes things happen to us and it's forever. And sometimes not. Sometimes it will pass eventually. Depends upon what's happening in your life right now. Will you get a job? You probably will. It might be longer or later or it may not be the best job, but you could get it if it's a job. If it's an illness, it might go away. It might not go away. It might be permanent. Right? Are you losing someone in your life? It might be permanent. You may never get them back. You may never find another mother, father figure in your life. It's possible. depends how old you are and who you lost. Or maybe you can find them. If you lost your friend, maybe you can find another friend. Is it permanent? If the answer is yes or no, think about that. Is it yes or is it no? Usually it's no. Sometimes it's yes. But not just is it permanent. The next thing is, is it pervasive? I mean, does it affect everything? So the fact that I lost my job, does it make all my friends not like me? Does it make me not a smart person anymore? Does it make me a bad person now? The thing that's working, uh, that's affecting me, does it affect everything? Usually it doesn't. Even an illness usually affects many parts, but other aspects you can still do, survive, be with, hang out, still have. Is Is it pervasive? Does it cover everything? Usually it doesn't, but it might. So ask yourself that question. Is the thing that's happening to me now, is it pervasive? Last, is it personal? Is this something that someone said, I'm going to get you, and it came after you, and it affects only you? Is that the case? Or is it, situation's bad, and you happen to be there. You were in the way. You were swept up in the bad. Is that what happened? Most of the time, you're in the way, but sometimes it's personal. Sometimes people come after you and try to hurt you. 
Sometimes it's only you. That does happen. But usually not. Usually you're swept up. Now, if you can say no to any of those three questions, any of them, hopefully all three, but at least one of them, then you have hope. Then you have hope. Then you can follow Lori's advice and take your spa day and get your head in the game. Because when things are bad is when we need your brain and we need your intellect and we need your experience and we need your wisdom and we need your brain to the best of your abilities when you need it. So take your spa day. Lori's right. Take your spa day. But first, ask yourself those three questions. And if any of them is a no, there's your hope. It's not pervasive or it's not permanent or it's not personal or hopefully all three, but at least one. Now you got some hope. Now you got some hope. Take your spa day. If it actually is all three, time for you to get some help because you cannot handle it on your own. I'm being forward with you. If that, if you actually have all three that are yes, you need help and you need it now. You cannot, no one can, not just you, not me, nobody. Nobody can handle something if all three of those are true. You got to go get help now. Like stop watching me and go get help like that. That's how bad, if all three are true. And sometimes for people, all three are true. Life can be very unfair. And it's often, the one thing I've learned throughout my life more than anything that always comes back to me is that fate, life doesn't care who you are. Fate will punch you whenever it feels like punching you, no matter who you are, no matter what you do. Sometimes you're going to get punched and it's going to suck. Happens. When it happens, ask of those three questions. If you've looked inward and you got some hope, you took your spa day. Thank you, Lord, for that. That's great. Now ask yourself, let me look near. Not far. Let me look near. Because the odds are people around you also need help. In some way. One of those three for them is probably a yes. They need your help. So see if you can help somebody near you first. But Larry, COVID. But Larry, Afghanistan. But Larry, the, the budget. But Larry, I know all the things. I know all the but Larry's. And what I'm asking you to do is work on the other things after you've worked on yourself and the near. And you don't have to fix yourself because no one's going to fix themselves. I don't fix myself. I work on myself and you work on, oh, I hope you work on yourself. You should work on yourself. I hope you do. I work on myself. You should too. So think about yourself, then someone near. And while you're working on yourself, work on somebody else. And here's the best part about working on somebody else. When you work on somebody else, helping them, you're also working on yourself. Because the idea of helping someone else makes you feel good and works on yourself too. So work on somebody else. Most important piece, work on somebody who wants to be worked on. There's the key issue. I know a lot of people go by the golden rule, right? Do one to others as you would have done upon yourself. No, I go to the platinum rule. Do one to others as they want to be done upon. That's it. Doesn't matter if you want it to be done. Do they want it to be done? If someone's saying, Craig, man, need some help. I'm in a spot here. Help them. Help them. They're asking. They want it. Give them some help. It'll make you feel better. If you see it, ask them if they want help. 
No one would ask them if they want it. They go, no, get out of my face, Greg. Okay, got you. I'm out. No, no, no. I want some help. Help them out. And sometimes it's a conversation. Once you've gone to those two things in your own world, you will feel more powerful and stronger and better. Now let's go save the world. Now let's go save the world. Because now it's you and you got some people near you who are feeling good. Now let's go save the world. But the most important part about saving the world is you can't save the entire world. It's impossible. Can you save one part of it? Yep. That you can do. That's an achievable goal. So start looking at the piece that matters most to you. Whatever that is, the one that motivates you most, the one that you care about most. Right? You know, I tease Pete, who's always you know, talking about the debt. But that's his baby. He talks about it. He's watching. He cares about it. It's a thing for him. And it's good. He should care about it. Somebody's got to care about it. Clearly, not enough Americans care about it. He does. So he focuses on that and things like that. But he focuses on that, which is a good thing. We should all be thinking that way. So you might get mad at me. What about Cuba? What about Afghanistan? I'm sure he cares about those. But he's just a human being with family and work and his own life that he wants to handle. So he focuses on one thing. You should too. You should try to focus on one thing. Focus on that thing. Don't be mad if others don't, but some will. And you'll watch things begin to get better. If everybody is walking down this road, imagine how much better things will become. I know it sounds small, but I'm not going to go out there and tomorrow make the whole world change. I wish I could. I wish I could. But we have to start working one piece at a time. Let me grab a couple more if I could. Frankenstein, wrong thinker. I like that. So many around me, family, co-workers, etc. don't see how far we've fallen. I'm starting to think it's just me. That's common. Thinking that you're the one, you're the, you're, you're the crazy one, right? It's you're the crazy one. I got to tell you, you're not the crazy one. I wouldn't have brought this up if I wasn't hearing this from many, many people. This comes at me all the time. Why do you think I'm writing a book on happiness? Because I was bored? No, it's killing me. I'm late doing it, getting it all out. The editing is just a monster. It's ripping me to pieces, but I'm still doing it. Why? Because that's what really matters. You're not alone. There's a lot of people who feel exactly how you feel. And I'm hoping we'll stop moving in a better direction. Joe says, there was never going to be a happy in Afghanistan for anyone. Joe, I wish you were wrong, but you were 100% right. I still think Biden screwed this up, but I'm glad he's leaving. I, I, I'm at two minds, right? Definitely not the best execution. That's obviously clear. But glad he followed through. I said it last night and I'll say it again. Still glad he followed through, even though it's bad. And I think you're right. It could have been better. A hundred percent. I explained how last night. It could have been better. We're we're getting out. Let's take it. It wasn't going to be a happy ending. The question is, can we move forward to the best of our ability? Can we help all of those soldiers, sailors, and Marines who have been battered by that war and can we make their life better? Yeah. Matt says, I'm not so much worried, just tired of the partisan shouting from Duopoly. Matt, you bring up the other point I was talking about, right? You're right. The other point I was talking about here is people begin to check out because they feel that no matter what I say, the guy on the left is going to call the right guy evil and the guy on the right is going to call the left guy evil. So why bother having the conversation? Yes. I feel it all the time. You hear me complain about it constantly. If I have one thing 
That's my thing. If you see me, I talk about it all the time. Look, it's almost never black and white. It's almost always gray. There's sometimes when it's black and white, but those are rare. Most of the time, it's gray in some way. And Democrats and Republicans are sometimes correct. Both of them are sometimes. And sometimes gray area correct. I, I just said it. Biden is right in getting out of Afghanistan. He did it not the best way, that's for sure. But he was right. I'm glad he's getting out. And I, to be fair, I can't give him all the credit. As you know, Trump began it. Trump was right in trying to get out. Biden was right in actually executing it, getting it out. And we see what's happening. But it's often gray. But the problem is we have too many people just going, all Biden's fault, all Trump's fault. Neither is true. Credit is due to both. And Biden gets the, the, the bad press as he deserves for screwing it up, getting us out. But if I just yell Biden bad, Trump bad, does anybody listen? I don't know if anyone's listening to me. And I'm trying to say, look, people are human, making mistakes, doing things right, doing things wrong. So, yeah, James says, I know it was time to go, but it doesn't make it any easier when I think about all the friends that lost when we were in Afghanistan. James, yes. And so many more that took their own lives when we got home. It's a crappy feeling. To be full with you, James, I'm an older Marine. And I knew very few people who went over to Afghanistan. I met them when they came back. So most people who died in Afghanistan, I didn't know. I don't think I know any of them. I don't think I knew any who died in Afghanistan. I knew a few who died when they got back. Again, I was a Marine in the 80s. So by the time Marines were going off to Afghanistan, I was no longer connected to the youth in the Marines anymore. I was connected to the older group of the Marine Corps. But I was doing veteran work when they came back, trying to help them transition, that kind of stuff. So I met them when they came back. And I'm with you. My pain is not of those who died there. Mine is those who died when they came back. And the conversation I've had to have with so many veterans. And I say the one that really still sticks with me is when I was talking to one of them and I had to ask him where the gun was on the phone. I said, so the guns, the guns on the bed now? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's on the bed. It's a good, it's on the bed. There's a chair there, right? He's like, yeah. I said, he was, he was in a hotel. I said, go sit in the chair. And I had to talk him, I had to talk him out of pulling that trigger. And that's the one that sticks with me the most. Now, he didn't go through with that. But how many did? You know, James, a whole lot did. A whole lot did. And I wish I could have spent more time saying what I'm saying now. And so they don't feel overwhelmed. So they don't feel like it's so bad. You're totally right. It's, a, it's horrible what we've done. What I would say, though, is with all of that, I can't bring back those people at all. I can't. But we can make less of them in the future. And that's my idea of permanence. This isn't permanent. It's not. It sucks now. You're right, James. Joe's saying it too. Sucks. It sucks now. Afghanistan sucks now. There's a big however. It's not permanent. We can make it better. And we cannot do it again. So we can make it that way. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. Dave says, Democrats and Republicans have been saying, at least we aren't the other guys for years, for decades. Yes, absolutely. Um, Joe says, I care about things. I just don't care about what anyone else is caring about. Care overload. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It is just so much. How can we handle that, man? I'm with you. 
And the, the problem that I that I deal with, Joe, is I don't want to come across as the guy who's the jerk, right? So someone cares about the other thing, Haiti. Do I care about Haiti? Of course, I don't want the Haitians to get hammered again. They just had an earthquake, what, 10 years ago, was it? Now they had their president executed, and, and, and now they got an earthquake again. My God, of course. But I can't. I'm with you. I can't. I just, I can't go there too. I can't go there too. So I leave it up to people who have deeper connections to Haiti. I do not have a deep connection to Haiti. I know Haitian Americans, particularly here in New York City. I know many of them, but I don't have a deep connection to them. It's being forwarded. Not being mean, I don't have it. There are many Haitians, uh, many, there's a large Haitian community in Brooklyn here in New York City, and they are deeply connected and they are all about Haiti, and they should be. And those are the people who should be caring all day up and down the street. Yep, they should. And I'm not mad at them for doing it. I'm happy they're doing it. And I want to say that. I just want to let them know. I I just can't. So I'm just going to walk away and let them handle that. It's horrible. I just can't. I'm with you. There's a point where you just got to be like, okay, you do you. Go on. Yes. Paula says, upset that my Marine husband is struggling because he deployed to Afghanistan I was proud and was proud of, of their work there. His guys are struggling too. Yeah. Think of what so many of these people went through. Your husband, I'm sure. What he saw, what he felt, what he sacrificed emotionally, mentally, and maybe even physically. A lot of people came back with, with physical issues when they came back. And, and to get an L? Oh my God, it's horrible. It's horrible. I I get it. I remember. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps in the eighties. Most of my senior leadership they were Vietnam vets, right? They were Vietnam veterans. And I remember one of them did three tours in Vietnam. He was a master sergeant when I was in the Marine Corps in the eighties. And I asked him. I said, "Why'd you go back?" For those of you who don't know, in Vietnam you only had to go to Vietnam for one tour. After that, you volunteered. Right. They didn't force you to go back. You could always say that did my time. I'm not going back. And they wouldn't fight you. You you most of the time. There's some exceptions with some specialized fields. But generally speaking, you did one tour in Vietnam. You'd have to do it ever again. But people would volunteer to go back again to he went three times back to Vietnam to fight active infantry. So it wasn't like he was, you know, he was hardcore. So I asked him why I was like, why would you want to go back? You did your time. You paid your dues. Why would you go back? And he said something to me that sounded harsh at first, but then he explained it. He said, I wasn't done killing. That's what he said to me. And I thought, holy crap, really? And then when I just looked at him like, wow, that sounds sociopathic to me, right? That didn't come across. And what he then said afterwards was, it had to mean something. And I didn't feel like it meant anything. And all my friends died and I had to go back and I had to get, maybe it, maybe it was revenge, maybe it was righteousness, but I, it just wasn't done. It had to mean something. And he wasn't a mean and harsh man. Like I, I knew him. He was a good leader. He was one of my best mastodons I ever had. And he wasn't aggressive, none of that. But he wanted to make it mean something. And it just kept not meaning anything. He kept, he kept coming home with an empty feeling. And he was like, it's not meaning anything. I got to go back. I got to make it right. And he went back three times and he's still an empty feeling. It, it never meant anything to him at the end. He kept, he kept feeling like I just, I took three years of my life and I threw it in the garbage. So I, I get that. 
I'll never forget him telling me that. And then explaining it to me. It made a lot of sense. Absolutely. So, I'm the plate spinner, Frankenstein says, trying to let everything come crashing down. Um, I'm going to give you some advice. And I hope you'll take it. Let something come crashing down. Let it. But there is a difference. If you keep trying to spin the plates, something will come crashing down you're not prepared for because it'll be a mistake. It'll just be too much and it'll come crashing down. In fact, maybe many things will come crashing down in the cascade. But if you decide, I'm letting one come crashing down. You'll know what's going to happen. You'll accept the damages. You'll fix it later. And only that will come crashing down. When you feel that way, it's time to let one thing go. And if you're unsure what that thing is, ask someone else who is not connected to those things. I'm serious. If you have a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone who is not directly connected to all those plates being spinning and ask them and say, I got all this stuff I'm handling, all this stuff I'm dealing with, all this stuff I'm dealing with. I can't handle it all. What, what should I let go? Let the person who's not emotionally attached go. If it was me, I let that go. You could fix that later. Let that play fall. The odds are one or two people who are not emotionally connected can look at your life differently. It's hard to coach yourself. Really hard to coach yourself. It's hard to look in the mirror and be able to say, yeah, yeah, this is real. It's hard. Ask somebody not, not attached who says, yeah, I would dump this, I'd dump that. And then you decide, let one fall. Fix it later. Otherwise, many fall. And it's a cascade. A cascade. Um, Lepke says, children survived Auschwitz. We will survive this and our kids will be okay. Life goes on because it has to. What's that saying? Life finds a way. This is, at, for some of you, this is one of the reasons why what Paula was talking about, her husband, other people are struggling. This is one of the reasons, believe it or not, why people struggle so much. And I had it when my daughter was ill. When my youngest daughter almost died and she was in the hospital, having heart surgery at 18 days old, my world was ending, as I would assume if it was your situation, you would feel the same way. My world was ending. When I looked at the window, what did I see? Life going on. Life moving on. The world didn't stop because my daughter might have was at death's door. The world did not stop when my daughter was at death's door. It kept going. And part of me understood it. Part of me hated it. Hated the fact the world wouldn't stop for me and my daughter. I hated it. It's true. I know it's petty. I know it's selfish. And I felt it. I wanted the world to stop because my world was ending. I wanted the whole world to stop and look at me and go, Oh my God, Larry, your daughter might die. Stop everything. That's what I wanted. And that's selfish and silly and never going to happen. And it's exactly how I felt. And sometimes when people have these problems in their world, in their life, they come back from Afghanistan and feel, what the hell did I do? What's this all about? And the world just keeps going. And like, why isn't the world stopping and helping me handle this? Why isn't the world stopping and doing this now? Sometimes you get upset because life does go on. And to be forward, Lepke, you're right. And it should go on. It should. And we have to move forward. We can't be stuck. But man, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. Absolutely. So 
Jason says, hi, for the second time today. Yes, I did my show at noon today. Thank you for tuning in twice. I'm concerned not with COVID, but everything else to do with it. I see Australia as a sitting duck and Europe not having it, which it, which is demonstrated by their protests. I'm not sure where you're going with that one. But in the U.S., I, I see us just letting things happen. Yes. Yes, Jason. This, you've hit it perfectly. I'm not surprised that the government and government leaders went out of the way to control. That's what they do. A dog is going to bark. I got it. That's what happens. Yes. What surprised me, even, and I, maybe it shouldn't have, but it did surprise me, was how fast people just said, okay, oh, oh, okay, yeah. Just how so many, not all of us did, obviously. But you know, Jason, most of us Americans, we did. We just sat back and went, okay, okay. So you, you rule us now? Okay, I guess you're you're our rulers now. Okay. Yeah. He says, I follow it as much as I can in my free time. I think that's my family. I think what is my family gonna do if if we lose income? Yes. Too many questions and too few answers. It seems to me trying to figure it out consumes all of my free time. Jason, I think you're right. And it can make us the problem that can happen right now, we talk about Jason, is if it begins to consume your free time, and it happens to many people, I'm not saying it is happening to you. It is a fear and a worry that you should be cognizant of in case it does happen to you. People can get so concerned about finding the answer or fixing the thing that they wind up ignoring the people closest to them because they feel they're righteous. You might say to yourself, and again, I know if you're there, but be worried that you could go there to a point where you're like, I'm not going to spend time with my friends and family. You guys should know better. I'm trying to save us. I'm trying to find a way out of this. I'm righteous. And you might be. And you might be finding the way out. And they might not care because they want their loved one in their life. That's what they want. And if you're not there for them because you're trying to fix the world, which, again, maybe in more fix your family, important, it may not work. So I would ask you a couple of things. Number one. Can you include them in this? Do they want to be in this? Some people can't handle this. Some people are on overload. Like Mr. Wrong Thinker is talking about on overload. They don't want anymore. Jason, you do you, I'm out. They can't handle it. If that's where your friends and family are, that's not going to work. But maybe they're into it. Like, yeah, let's do some digging. Let's do some digging and figure this out. And you can do that together. Helping both sides of you, right? Making sure this isn't pervasive. It's not pervasive because you can get others involved or you can just focus inwardly first and then near and then far. I think that's the way to make that work, Jason. I, I hope that was helpful in, in the way I put it together there. I hope it was. Sam says, the more things get bad, the more I appreciate all of the good things in my life. Great for my family and my connections here. Sam, that is a wonderful way of thinking of things. I love it. Yes, yes. The issue is, and you know this, Sam, you, you, I know you've shared with me right, that you've done, you've done some pastoring work, some chaplain work. So I, you know this. People want to have pity parties. It's human nature. And to be forward, I'm actually not against the pity party. I'm not. I think it's human. It's natural. We want to go, woe is me. Everyone feels sorry for me. It is a normal way of humans wanting to act. I said it before and I'll say it again. Is it five minutes or is it five years? Let's make it five minutes. Let's have our five-minute pity party. Woe is me, woe is me. 
Life isn't fair. Okay, great. Now let's stop moving. It's five years. Think of what you've lost if you allow that pity party to last for five years. And Sam, you know people have done it. And I bet everyone else out here knows someone. If it wasn't you who's let a pity party last literally years, some people it lasts the rest of their life. You don't want to be that. Do your five minutes. Cry yourself out. Get it out. Feel sorry for yourself. We all do. And then we got to get to work, right? Because the point's well made. Life does go on. And the other part is there are people who depend upon us, people who expect things from us. Let's move forward. So, yes, Brian said it's the catification, you know, the other word for cat, of America, probably going towards not being United States anymore. Um, there's a piece of that that's true and a piece of that that isn't exactly true. And what, here, let, me, let me do both of those sides. The piece that isn't exactly true is nations and cultures do shift and adjust. That's a normal thing. You're still American if you aren't the same American America that it was 100 years ago or 200 years ago. You're still American, right? You look at many nations who've gone through tough times and hard times. The national culture does change. So I think part of that is natural. But my worry is with, with what you're saying is there is a situation where a lot of people are, are not understanding what it is to be a hero. And I'm going to use something that a lot of people who are very patriotic don't like me to use, but I'm going to use it. 9-11. What happened in not, at 9-11, I think, changed us tremendously in how we act. We confused something at that time. And then ask the wrong questions at that time. Here's the confusion. We lost about 3,000 people in that attack. Hundreds of them were first responders who rushed into the building. Those hundreds of people who rushed into a burning building that was struck by airplanes, not knowing what was inside that building, and then losing their lives in an attempt to help others. Every one of them is a hero, without question. Every one of them is a hero. Of the people who were in the building, they're not heroes. They were horrible victims. They were not deserved, deserved of what happened to them. It was terrible what happened to them. They're victims. They're not heroes. There's a difference. I'm not turn, putting the other people down. I just don't want to put the heroes down. The victims... It's terrible. They didn't deserve it. All those families were devastated. Horrible. They're victims. People rushing the building are heroes. We have melded them together in our psyche as all heroes, all martyrs. They're not. There's difference. We should feel bad for the people who died, the victims. But we should only be talking about as a culture, not as family members, as a culture, we should only be talking about the heroes. And I know that sounds not PC. I know it does. It's still true. We should be talking as a culture, not as family. Family, you lost family members. You will dis- you will heal as you need to heal. I should have no say in that. And I have no say in that. Good for me. I should have no say in that. 
when it comes to the, the people who were the heroes, we should all be talking about the people who ran into a burning building and started marching up a hundred flights of stairs to help people when they had no idea what was going to happen. Those are heroes. We should be talking about those people. And we just mix them all together. It's what we do as a culture. And we have a memorial to all of them. And we we're having literally in New York City, if you go down to Freedom for the Freedom Tower, it's a 20-year-long pity party. When it should be, should have been a year-long pity party and a 19-year glorification of heroes who sacrificed their lives in an attempt to help others. And we have not done that. Since that day, that has been the obvious turning point in my mind. It's been happening, Brian, to your point, for many years. But since that day, now we have situations where being a victim is by, by default makes you the hero. They're two separate things. It's, not, it's, it's a terrible thing to be a victim. I don't want people to be victims. That's terrible. I'm just saying it's different from being a hero. The, the hero is someone who has the problem and still does the thing. That's what makes you the hero. You have the problem and you still do the thing. Well done. That's amazing. If you're a victim, I don't expect you to do the thing because you've got the problem. So you can't do the thing. That's normal. I'm not mad at you for that. You're a victim. But when you do the thing, even though you have the problem, that's a hero. There's a lot of people who would not have run into those buildings. Luckily, those people either weren't EMTs, weren't police officers, weren't firemen, or they were cowards. I hope those people weren't. I hope none of those people didn't go in. That you're supposed to, as we used to do. And a lot of people wouldn't would have done it. They did. That's the hero. So I think now we have that problem. And I think that's that's where my head is, at least. I hope we can bring it back to understanding, respecting both. Respect the victim. If someone gets killed or hurt or has an injury, that's a bad thing. And also respect the hero, the person who has the problem and still achieves something. That's it. David says, the thing is, you can only worry about the things I can change. I I wish more people would think that way, David. A lot of people sit and focus on things they can never change. It drives them crazy. You see it. Why can't we? We should just, we just got it. I'm like, you can't do any of that. You're right. And I wish more people would think that way. Most don't. What's the, uh, what's the, hold on. What's the prayer? Um, I, I love the prayer and I forget it all the time. The serenity prayer. Thank you. Serenity prayer, right? I'm going to I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to paraphrase it, but you know what I'm talking about. It's uh God give me the strength. Hold on. Hold on. The 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 strength is the strength to accept what I cannot change, the courage to change what I can, and the wisdom to tell one from the other. That's a bad paraphrase. I'm sure one of you would be nice and post it. You know what I'm talking about, it's really a prayer. That's what it is. I wish more people would think that way. Yes. So, um Joe says, had you have to show your password, I don't think you're talking to me in this one. Um, Larry, you have a future as a therapist. <laughs> Thank you, Jericho. Uh, I do a lot of work with people, but I'm not a therapist. And one of the reasons why I'm not a therapist is if I were a therapist, I'd have to have a New York State license. So I do things that look a whole lot like therapy, but clearly are not therapy, or I'd have to have a license. So I says, I do not have a license and will never get one from the state. What I do is talk. It looks a whole lot like therapy, but it is clearly not because I would require a license if it were therapy. So I do therapy adjacent. There we go. Yes. 
Absolutely. So uh, let me see if I can go go um, some more. Uh, Chris says, thanks for talking us off the ledge. I, I try. I, I try. I, I Yes, I definitely try. Thomas says, government tends to cause or exacerbates many of the problems out there. Very true. If you somehow get government under control, you'll notice many of these overwhelming issues will hopefully diminish. I think you're right, Thomas. I think we'll be able to handle them better locally. I think absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Matt says, that was beautiful. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I'm, 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 yes. Thank you. Yes. So, um, let's see. Rita says, we want to have him as future governor. Thank you. His two things will demean and make him an excellent leader. Thank you, Rita. I appreciate that. Very, very nice words. I appreciate that. Leticia says, everyone needs help. Yeah, that's true, Leticia. The question is, though, and you know this, because you wouldn't have said it if you didn't know this. Not everybody wants it. Right? And the thing to remember with human beings, we don't do what we need. We do what we want. Needing is a reason for us to want it, but it doesn't mean we'll do it. You know this. Everyone listening, watching knows this. You, you've done what you want when you knew you didn't need to do it. And you haven't done things that you need to do. Why? Because we all have. But we've done what we want many times. So you're right. We all need help. No one can do it. No man is an island. Of course not. And, and we have to be in a place where people want the help. And the way we do that is by not forcing it, not forcing it. That's the issue. So yes, there goes. Absolutely. I voted for him in 2018. Thank you for the vote. I appreciate the support. Yes. Dan says, Barbara Bush, what happens in your house is more important than what happens in the white house. Dan. Nice quote. I'm glad you found that one. Former first lady is exactly correct. What happens in your house is more important than what happens in the White House. That's absolutely true. And should always be true. It should always be true. I absolutely agree. Yes. So, uh, teacher, thank you so much. It's commonly quoted as, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change. Father, give us courage to change what must be altered and serenity to accept what cannot be helped. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And it's mostly used for rehab recovery. Yeah, it's it's used. The prayer is used to to help those who are in trouble. And if you're an addict, you're in trouble. Right. And if, I don't know if any of you had an addict in your life. I have. My mom was an addict. If you've either been an addict or have one in your life, you know, it's hard. Right. Someone who's an addict, they're in a tough spot. Yes, absolutely. 100 percent. So. Uh, Dustin says close enough. Was ready. Thank you. I I, th- I got close enough. I appreciate it. Yes. Ed says, I signed up for military service during a, a time of massive conflict for a nation. I don't consider myself a hero, although I've been called one before. It doesn't sit well with me. All the talk at, uh, at all talking that term. I'm no hero, but I serve with some heroes. Ed, I, I'm glad you brought this up. I will. Some of you will not be happy with what I'm going to say, but Ed, I think you get it. Veterans often struggle with this. It's one of the things I've dealt with so many times doing veteran work. Most veterans don't consider themselves heroes. Most feel like they were just doing the job. They were supporting their brothers and sisters in arms. They were being the best soldier, Marine, sailor, airman they could possibly be. They were trying to be a good American, trying to support the country. They weren't trying to be a hero. That wasn't what they were trying to do. So many of them don't feel that way. And it's the second piece. 
for those who've been in combat and seen people really get battered physically horribly or even die, there's a bit of survivor's guilt that says, I didn't do enough. I didn't give enough. I wasn't good enough. And if I wasn't good enough or didn't give enough or didn't sacrifice enough, then how can I be a hero when this guy or this gal, they gave far more than I gave or they sacrificed far more than I sacrificed? How can I be a hero? I think a lot of vets struggle with that. And when I deal with vets who are coming back and transitioning, I let them know you're dealing with a civilian population. The civilians can't even imagine. It's just, it's not in their world. They can't imagine it. And they just see you as you did something that I didn't do. And therefore, in your eyes, they're a hero. So what I ask many veterans is you don't have to act like a hero. You don't have to even accept that you are a hero if you don't want to. Up to you. But when someone wants you to be their hero, just let them. Let them. Say thank you. And just let them. Because they want you to be their hero. It's where they are in their own life and what they think or whatever makes them feel good. So you're doing something good for them. Be nice. Yeah, thank you. And that's it. Some of you may not know this, but the thank you for your service, many veterans don't actually like that. They don't get angry at you because they know that it's meant in a respectful and nice way. But it actually bothers many vets because to what Ed just mentioned, they're like, I didn't do anything special. Some of you heard this story before. I say it often, but it's because I love it so much. It's so perfect. I had a guy I was working with trying to get him. I was working with a group of veterans trying to help them in transitioning and and coming up with success stories to tell um, employers, HR people to get jobs. And I go across the room and I try to pull out a success story from each person. And this one Navy vet, this one sailor just will not give me one. Just won't. I don't know. I didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Finally, as go around the room like three, four times, and I'm being a real nudge. Yeah, well, me being nudge? Oh, yes, I was a real nudge. You got, come on, brother. You got to give me something. Come on. What about this? What about this? I'm just really funny. He goes, well, you know, I'm not joking. He says, I saved the guy's life once. How many people can say that? How many people can say that? And here's the greatest part. The guy wanted a job as a security guard. That's what he was looking for, a security job position. Do you think if you were hiring someone, you're the hiring manager, and you're trying to hire a security guard, wouldn't the fact that he'd already saved someone's life kind of be a critical piece you'd want to know? Wouldn't that want to be information, a story you'd want to hear? Literally, you're hiring a security guard. It's the perfect success story. It couldn't be better. And we had to walk down the road. And he was just like you, Eddie. He was like, Yeah, look, no, anybody would have done it, right? Any vet would have done it. Any sailor would have done it. It wasn't just me. Any sailor would have done it. And he might be right. Maybe any sailor there would have done it. Maybe, but he did it. And to a civilian population, that's kind of magical. So I think that would be my response. I get it, Ed. And for those of you who are not veterans, and when you see veterans and meet them, you can still say, if you want, thank you for your service. You can, but if you want to be better, it's always better to go. I'm glad you're home. Not something like, I'm glad you made your home. Nope. Glad you're home. Glad you're back. Welcome back. These are all nice, good things to say to vets. It makes them feel good. Oh, good. You're accepting me back into the community. Yeah. Glad you're home. 
if you know the person's a Vietnam veteran, if you know they are a Vietnam vet, just saying welcome home makes them all feel good because we treated the Vietnam vets so horribly in this country. We treated them worse than we've ever treated any group of vets ever in the history of America. They were treated the absolute worst. So if you have a Vietnam vet, if you know they're a Vietnam vet and you meet them, you can just say, welcome home. And they will like it. They will know you get it. So any of those are good things to say. You can still say, thank you for your service. It just, there are other things you can say if you want to. Roma says, that's a really good point. Heroes versus victims. Thanks for that. Yeah, I think there is a difference. It, there really is a difference. <coughs> Absolutely. So yes. Rennie says, I think we can use you in office more than anything. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Rick says, could we have left Afghanistan better? That's like what we've been trying to do for over a decade. Better was not in the cards. Will we ever learn lessons of Vietnam? Rick, it's a valid point. As I said before, could we have done it better? Yes, we could. But if the answer was wait later until we somehow figure out the better, I'm with you. Let's get out now and worry about the better later. I'm with you because we haven't done it. You're right. We've been trying for a decade. And that was a thousand more dead Americans, thousands, tens of thousands more wounded Americans and broken families. No more broken families. No more dead Americans. No more wounded Americans. I'm with you, Rick. I agree. Yes, we could have left better. And I wish we had. And Biden's getting some slack from that. And he should. And I'm glad he went through with it. Both are true. Both are true. Daniel says, look inward, I love that. And it goes back to the Star Trek episode you covered. And I'm now binging the original series, thanks to you. Uh, Thanks for the encouragement, Larry. Yes, of of course, 100%. You want to first look inward and then move out, right? Of course. I'm I'm glad that landed for you. I'm I'm very happy. Yes. Nate, why isn't the world stopping? I know that feeling. Yes, brother. It's a horrible feeling, right? I'm going through pain. Why isn't the world stopping? Yes. Absolutely. Roma says, every 80 years, something happens that changes America profoundly. 80 years ago, it was World War II. Before that, it was the Civil War. Before that, it was Revolutionary War. We're on schedule for something. Is this the thing? Is COVID the thing? Roma, you're scaring me now. Is, is, is COVID the thing? I wouldn't be surprised if it was, right? I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Absolutely. So Dan says the soldiers should still be proud of their work. They gave the Afghanis every chance to succeed. We can't control how they respond. Valid point. Dan, on the money. Valid point. David says that Master Sergeant sounds like the Martin Sheen character in Apocalypse Now when he was in Vietnam. He wanted to be home. When he was home, he wanted to be in Vietnam. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you get, you get used to it, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Jeff says it's an appropriate time to share the Veterans Crisis Hotline. Thank you. Yes. 800-273-8255. Post it on your social media. It may save someone you don't even know. Jeff, thank you for that. That is amazing. Very good. Thank you for that. Yes. So, uh, yes, David put it out there also. I appreciate that. Yes. He just says, pre-September and the hearsay, the attack on American families of a biracial nature. I'm not sure. Hold on. Pre-September... And the hearsay, the attack on American families of a biracial nature. Military and the abuse that can be used in the medical practice and just so much conduct. 
what has changed in 20 years, the mental health outcry, that not one is listening to what the system is doing to those whom have served and their families from abuse and traumatized by the cover-ups. Not sure everything in that one, Leticia, where you're going with that, but I think what you're saying, and you can please you know, repost if you think I've, I've, I've misunderstood this. Are you saying that the, the problem in the military, the abuse that's happened and the medical you know, practice here and the misconduct in the military has been overlooked because of the war? I think there's some evidence to that. I think that has what's happened in much of the military. And I, I think that's where you're going with this. Help me if I'm wrong is that over the last 20 years of constant war, the system, the day-to-day systems of, you know, abuse and misconduct and trials and things of that sort have not been up to par with all the things that have been going on. The VA is a perfect example of this. The VA has not been able to deal with all of the injuries, both mental and physical, that have come in. The VA is better with physical injuries than it's ever been. It's good at that. It just isn't good with the mental issues at all. And now there's a, a lot of people coming in, a lot more veterans who are having problems and issues and concerns. I think that's what you mean. And I think there's evidence to, yeah, it's true. We, I don't think the system was prepared for several things. One, this much war for this long. And two, this much literally mixing of, of genders and everything else that we have in the military for so long in combat for so long. I don't think we're ready for this. I think you're right. It's a, it's a problem that we have not set up. Hopefully we can fix it and repair it. I hope so. If you guys like what I'm saying, do me a favor, like, comment, share. I ask you all the time. Yes, it's important. Please like, comment, and share and support my sponsors. Head over to the World Smallest Little Quiz. If you got something from this episode so far, I'm not done yet, but if you got something from this episode, even now, then help me out. Head over there, click that link, take one of the quizzes. There are many quizzes there to take. Take one of them and share it. Click that link so my sponsor knows you were watching this show. Check it out. Take the quiz. And if you've already done all those things, then help me anyway. Share it. Well, Larry, I shared it last week. Then share it this week. Help me out and share it. It's free. It makes my sponsors happy. It lets people know where they think. And you can start talking about issues and not just personal stuff. And, of course, if you want to support the show itself, patreon.com slash sharpway. Throw me 10 bucks a month. If you're getting some value out of this, and I think you are because you're watching if it's making sense to you, if you're liking what's happening, if it's worth it, throw me 10 bucks a month, patreon.com slash shortway, 10 bucks a month. It helps my team to keep doing what we're doing, to keep finding guests, to keep finding topics, and to keep actually answering a lot of your questions and bugging me about stuff, which is what they do a lot, is they, they read all this, all the, all the stuff that you guys send me, and they send me stuff they think is most important, and that's how I spend a lot of my time picking topics and such. So it helps. It does matter if you can. Please take a few minutes and make that happen. It, 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 it helps a lot. <laughs> All right. Gene says, 22 suicides per day plus 50 overdoses per day, 72 veterans, tragedy loss every day. Yes, the, the issue here without question is that the VA has not done a good job with mental illness. Just a fact. They have not done a good job with it. And they've got to get better or we've got to help them. One or the other. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's see if I can do this here. Uh, Chris asks, are you speaking to Lewis Rossman? I reached out to him. I hope so. Um, he wants to talk. I'm happy to chat with him. I hope that he will uh, hope that he will respond and we'll make it happen. But we have gone back and forth. 
We haven't picked a date yet. I hope it'll I hope it will be soon. So Nate says, I've had a handful of people say, Welcome home. And it's the best feeling to know that they care enough to look deep into the issue. They get it for sure. Thanks for mentioning. Yes, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Yes, welcome home does feel good. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I do appreciate that. So Ed says, thanks for clarifying that, Larry. I was in two theaters of war. I did what I had to do to get my soldiers and get myself home. I see it as nothing more. Yeah. Yes. Common. Yes. You're, that's how vets think. Yes. It's a tough matter to deal with at times. I do appreciate any support, though. And whoever looks to me as, a, uh, as heroic, it's too generous, kind. I'm not bitter. I'm glad you brought this up. Thank you. You are truly that people say you are. Thank you, my friend. I, I hope that's true. It's good. It's good for people to. It's good for people to kind of get both sides of that. Yes, absolutely. So Brian says, I fully agree with Ed. I served during peacetime quotes and was ignored into the Gulf War and the global war on terror. Now I'm some kind of hero. I know it's it's weird. It is. I get it too. People think my service and I'm, I'm the same time as you, Brian. Same time I was in doing the first Gulf War. Right. And that war was five minutes long. And I spent I spent the war training people who were reservists. Right. Who were reservists ha- sending them over to the first Gulf War. So, yeah, absolutely. 100 percent. Yes. So. All right. See if I can grab a couple more guys. I really appreciate all these things that you got uh, throwing out here, particularly the, the vet stuff. Thank you for that. It it makes me feel good that you guys are are, are paying attention. Uh, Maynard says, always a good day when I can catch a sharp uh, stream live. Seriously, I hope I get a chance to vote for President Sharp. Thank you. The future LP primary and the general election. LP needs this guy. Thank you, my friends. I do appreciate that. Yes, hundred. I do. I do. I do appreciate all the good things. So, I hope today's show was valuable. I know it was a bit of a shorter show. My guest, I think, ghosted me. So I was my my team was like, "This is what people want to hear." So I decided to do this show kind of off the cuff. I I hope it was valuable in understanding that the key to us handling the tough times is first looking inward. Is it pervasive? Is it permanent? Is it personal? Then looking near, then looking far. Hope is the key. And then the last piece I'll bring up is you really want to start thinking to yourself, not how do I fix it all, but what's my first step? And that might seem kind of trite or simple, but I'm telling you, man, does it work. What's that old uh, Chinese saying? I'm doing sayings today. Um, the a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step or one, with one step. It's true. So you got to start marching in the right direction so you can get to where you want to go. So if you know stuff's tough for you or for the world and you want to do something, look inward, get some hope, get a first step, and let's go save the world. We'll save ourselves, then our families, and then the world. Guys, have a great night. Thank you so much for giving me a little chunk of uh, your evening. Um, I am going to be uh, on again tomorrow, and I'll be on uh, with a guy from the Rank, Rank the Boat, Rank Choice Voting, And uh, this weekend, I will be at the New York State Fair, Saturday and Sunday. So if you can be there, hope to see you. I will talk to you all very soon.